I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. The season starts tomorrow, and I'm here with Ben Dahl and Matt Ellentuck to break down opening weekend. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and do not forget our amazing staff writing content is on windsider.com that's windsider without an e there's been many hiccups in the road but we're here the 2020 WNBA season is here and i am joined by two very good friends of the show matt ellen tuck and ben dull matt and ben welcome guys how you doing matt hey ben how you doing man Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically Thank like the... Yeah, so give us nothing, Ben. Give us absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's the 2020 hello. I don't, I don't blame him. <laughs> uh, what's up? Well, all right, guys. The season's here. The schedule's out. We got opening weekend. I'm uh, excited. I mean, I can't put it any other way. There's finally something to look forward to uh, that is not COVID-related or like to covid related so i'm very excited um just to lay it out on saturday we got new york and seattle la and phoenix and fever and dc then on sunday we got connecticut and minnesota chicago and las vegas and dallas and atlanta and honestly i gotta say first of all let's run it down what do you think about the the setup of this opening weekend what do you think about the matchups because personally i'm pretty big fan of it i think many people looked at it and maybe thought Indiana versus DC was kind of a, an odd one, but considering where these opening day rosters are, I think it's less odd than, than some would give credit to Matt. I'll let you uh, take this one on first. Yeah. I think opening day is really good. I mean, the Indiana Washington game will obviously be the least exciting of the three, but opening up with Sabrina was like a go-to. I think we all knew that was going to happen. And I think we're also pretty aware that, uh, her team kind of isn't that great, so I'm totally cool with them putting Sabrina against the best team in the league. We get to see how she looks against Sue Bird. Um, that's about as exciting as you can get. And the second game is freaking awesome. I mean, Sparks Mercury is probably going to feel like a playoff game right off the bat just because they're two teams that I think we're all placing somewhere between, I don't know, the second and fifth best teams in the league and and maybe one of those two will be able to challenge Seattle by the end of the year. Uh, so I'm ready. Give me uh, let me see what Candace Parker looks like after a down year. Let me see what Diana Taurasi looks like after hardly playing at all. And sprinkle in Chelsea Gray, Neko Gumake, Brittany Griner, Skylar Diggins. I'm good. You could have like gone on with like five other superstars in that game. And you forgot the biggest one, Simone Augustus. Ben, what do you think about uh, the opening weekend? <laughs> had to get, had to get Simone in there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Chicago, Vegas, too, like that one was kind of on a platter. So yeah, that yeah. was, you know, that one was going to happen. L.A., to me, like you want them to play Phoenix or Minnesota. I'm fine with either one. Uh, Phoenix is probably, probably a little more interesting right now, I think, just kind of with the intrigue. 
uh, of seeing Skylar and Diana specifically, just getting to see them on the floor. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Indiana Washington. I mean, the coaching matchup, of course, isn't like the you know the sexiest thing to like get people to watch. But hey, it's you had to. I mean, you, you only had so many combinations there. I, I, I guess the question is like, are people like upset? You know, are the, were the Mystics disrespected? Like, as people counted up the national TV games, which like, hey, they don't have their full team. Sorry, and you know, I guess you can still do Connecticut, Washington off the bat. It would have been interesting still. Well, the interesting thing as far as disrespect for DC that I thought about was that they didn't put national tele like the first non-national televised game maybe it's changed as of now but from my understanding the first not of the season the first non-nationally televised game is the finals rematch which again i get it you know the biggest superstar on dc is emma and emma's not like a gigantic superstar that we're used to seeing from dc of recent um but yeah i thought that was kind of disrespectful just you know like it might not be the same roster but you still got to tip your cap to the defending champions and give them that respect uh that's that's just my thought let's talk about what our expectations are for opening weekend because i think it's easy to you know we've all been waiting for basketball we've all been excited for the season to start um but i think we also have to be semi realistic of the fact that a lot of these players didn't touch a basketball until what two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Um, so there's gonna is not gonna be the basketball that the season ended on that high echelon of skill set, of pace, of perfection that we're used to seeing uh, in the greatest women's basketball league in the world. Talk to me, Ben. How do we judge success as a team in opening weekend? I mean, just don't get hurt. No one get hurt. Like you can't. <laughs> you can't withstand injuries like the on the aces are like the best example of it right now. They're probably, there's no announcement as we record this. They're probably on the hunt for another player. Like you probably got to wait like 10 days to like get that player on the court. If you're signing someone from outside. So just, just stay healthy. I think the, the, you know, there haven't been any positive tests since the initial quarantine, which is the most important thing. And you just, uh, I guess success, I mean, success is just like seeing all these debuts and returns. I, I think it, it, it's been so long and just getting to absorb all of that and hopefully, hopefully see these teams stay healthy. They're going to, cause they're going to kind of need to ease into, you know, what will hopefully be a kind of the peak uh, playing level of this regular season. Do you think, well, first of all, I'm kind of surprised that you didn't just get straight analytical and be like, if they win, it's a success. Um, but do you think that we're going to see more teams go a little bit deeper into the rosters on opening day than we're used to seeing uh, typically just because, you know, we got to pace ourselves in this marathon. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah. I mean, that might be a possibility. I think it's going to be really hard. I mean, we're, we're in a situation that no one really knows how to coach in. It's just overall bizarre. I mean, players are going to have to, be protected by their coaches. You obviously don't want, especially players coming back from injury, which there are so many of, uh, like Stewie and Sue Bird. Uh, you don't want to overplay them from the beginning. And these players are going to be playing a lot of games too, like three or four in a week. So, yeah, I mean, I would expect um, teams to go deeper into their bench because, uh, you know, you can't, you can't burn out now. It's going to be a three-month weird grind. Something that we didn't put in the show notes, but kind of popped in my head talking about this was when you look at the rosters, 
I found it very interesting that teams were more willing to kind of bet on youngsters. And yes, I'm referencing the Liberty um, mostly, but more willing to put their money on youngsters in this year's draft versus, you know, over the, like every year we have the the issue of this player just wasn't good enough to break into an active roster. Um, But we didn't see really anybody go, okay, you know what? Instead of gambling on a rookie from the 2020 draft class, I'm going to gamble on someone who almost made a roster last year uh, that just couldn't do it. Ben, do you have any thoughts on why that is? Is it just like gambling on something new? Those players got a little bit more of a training camp to try out so you know something more? I mean, I mean that's impossible to say because you don't know. You don't know looking at this how many teams went through other options that said like, hey, I just don't want to, you know, I don't feel comfortable, whatever it is. You know, like you just don't know how long that list of player is players is which might include some of those other younger players maybe it's maybe that's kind of an intrigue thing i, I mean i think that i think generally something that's been kind of glossed over is i think these last couple years and it's easy to say this because it's right now and we haven't seen some of them but i think these last couple years you're seeing a lot more depth to the to the end of these draft classes with, with players that are pretty promising to really stick in the league. So I think, I think it might be a little bit of a reflection of that too. All right. Well, moving on to something that's been the hot topic of the WNBA Twitter world of today. Um, maybe even yesterday, I'm, I'm blanking on when exactly it came out, but you know what? We're publishing this tomorrow. So yesterday works. Kevin Pelton with ESPN uh, did a 2020 seasons prediction or projection. And there's been a lot of animosity about where he ranked the teams you know, D.C. was second. Uh, Minnesota was third. There was just the the power rankings that I think the WNBA talking heads have been reflecting have not necessarily looked at this with a kind eye. And Ben, you had some insight on that before we uh, started the show. So I'm going to let you kind of uh, open up your mind, open up the eyes of the listener. All right. Well, one, as someone uh, who also writes quite a bit. One, there's just like, as KP laid out in his piece, like there's usually an explanation at the beginning of how it worked, which uh, some some of the angriest people, uh, if they see something, they might tend to overlook. This wasn't like Kate, this wasn't an opinion piece by him, right? Like this was him using projections that are largely based on uh, the the numbers. Uh, players have had in recent seasons he's projecting their offensive and their defensive ratings so like in Washington's case like well you have that pretty you have a pretty big outlier data point for all those players right when they're part of this historic offense and now in reality what you know really the three biggest engines of that you would say if you include Chrissy Tolliver aren't there so you know that's probably that's probably giving them a nice little bump up but also, like the projected record, you're playing 22 games. Like, you know, he has 14 and eight. Is it really impossible? Like, one team has a good week. Like, it's just, I think that's what it's going to be, where you're going to have that one team that might separate from a bunch of about 500 teams. Well, that's an interesting part, is if you look at it, the projected record, there's a lot of teams that are 500 or like one game over 500. And there's a lot, there's a huge, you know, chunk 
in the middle. And then there's kind of the teams that rattle off in the back end. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was a really interesting aspect. Let's talk about contenders. It's been a hot topic. Um, there's been somewhat of a consensus that I think the Seattle Storm are kind of the team to beat. Obviously, knock on wood, hopefully everyone stays healthy. I think we have to kind of view this in a bubble of, <laughs> pun intended, um, in a bubble of the players stay healthy. But I have, the. I mean, this is my power ranking for the top three teams. Storm, Sparks, Mercury. Matt, is there another team you'd throw in there? How do you rank them? What are your thoughts on this power ranking of these contenders? Uh, obviously, it's hard for all of us to tell for a zillion reasons, so don't like end me if I wind up being wildly wrong. I do agree with your top three, although I have the Mercury at number two instead of three. It's three. Um, but I think that the Sky deserve to be in the conversation um in that uh like the best of the teams that aren't the storm i think that the sky having almost everybody back from last year and uh also having the shields a year later uh, they could be like really damn good and we probably haven't talked about them enough i'll agree with that i mean i was on uh the sky hook show uh i think it actually dropped yesterday when we published this and i talked about it and i I don't remember where I ranked them, but they're definitely a top five team to me and probably tied for third. Um, but I will say, and I said it on their show, and I'll say it again, and then I'm going to toss it over to uh, to Ben for his thoughts on this and on the contenders. If Lavender is in that Aces game, and I know everyone's going to hate me for, you know, uh, what if, 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 but if she's in that game, I don't think it comes down to the Hamby Heave, and I think we see a much different playoff outcome. Ben, talk to me. Well, that that's that's a that's an interesting point. I would I disagree with you on, I guess, kind of the weight of Jantel being out of that. I think Astu Ndu is just a better player, and we had to find that out with her just getting a chance. But I think what we showed, I think she's a better player, anyways. Uh, but more more broadly, maybe before I give mine. Like, what is our definition of, like, these kind of question marks are more, are, aren't just the standard, you know, if someone gets hurt, right? And, like, I'll throw out mine, which are, you know, obviously, Brianna Stewart, like, is she 80% of what she is? Whatever, you know, number you want to you wanna say as a, maybe a worst case that she just isn't full strength, then maybe that doesn't matter to you, too. And then I think, obviously, Sue Bird, just, like, what she is relative to 18 same exact thing for Diana Taurasi. Uh, and, and with these title teams, I think Candace Parker's the other one is just what what people think she's going to be at this stage of her career. Did you guys have uh, any more or just or thoughts on those names? I mean, my thought is is really that we're looking at the Seattle team and the and I know a lot of people have talked about this. I'm going to stake my claim that I was talking about it before them, but you know, I got a big head. Mercedes Russell and Jordan Canada's growth last year and having, and people don't talk enough about how Jewel Lloyd was really injury prone and injury hampered last year. So for me, it's not just, you know, Oh, Stewie's back at whatever percent and Sue's back at whatever percent bringing them back is an added plus because we are talking about a Seattle team that was already 
good enough to make the playoffs and probably should have done better in the playoffs, or maybe they, you know, outkick the, the coverage, um, if that makes sense. But for me, it's just adding them, even if at the beginning of the season, they're not 100%, if they can use the time to rehab a little bit more and get into better game shape. If at the end of the season, we're talking about, you know, Jewel, Stewie, and Sue being at 90 or plus, I think we're talking about a championship team. Obviously, that's if they stay healthy. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, we're we're throwing out all these guesses, like, kind of for fun, because we don't know anybody's health. We don't know uh, how anybody has been staying in shape over the past few months. We don't know who was able to, like, still practice in gyms during quarantine and who wasn't. Like, there are a ton of questions that, like, we can sit here and throw our guesses at. Like, my... How I rank teams is just based on everybody being at the level that we think they'll be, that they're healthy and can play as well as um, they possibly can. So that was just my guess. Uh, but I don't know. You can look at it a million different ways considering like we're just all completely in the dark right now. To quote the late, great Denny Green, they are who we thought they are. Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot now. You got to you gotta give me a, a little bit of a power ranking, at least top three teams in your mind, gun to your head. I think it's a list of four that can win. Okay. Seattle, Phoenix, Chicago, LA, in that order, if I'm, if I'm saying right now. I think Seattle, you know, if Stewie's healthy, and I, I've, I don't know why, but I throw out like 75, 80% a lot, like in my head. You know, if she's just, she's moving okay, you know, she isn't hampered with like, just she can't move the same just around the court. I, I think there's like a good chance. Um, and, and even if Sue is like in a way a shell of herself, I think they're just going to, I think there's a pretty good chance to just roll everybody. I think you made a good point about Jewel kind of being in the positive, uh, kind of a positive swing there where I think it is kind of the right thing to just admit, you know, last year was kind of a lost year for her. And I think that might be, in a way, like something that, pe- that people might even be forgetting a little bit. All right, we're going to flip it over to a team that's been getting a nice amount of attention. Um, their stock dropped considerably after um, it was announced that John Quill Jones would not be playing this season. We're talking about the Connecticut Sun, if you haven't picked up already. This is a really interesting team. I've seen on different power rankings them rank as high as top three to them ranking as low as bottom three. Ben, I know you got some some feelings on this one, so I'm going to run it to Matt first. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Connecticut Sun and where they stack up in this league? They're so hard to pin right now. Um, I think, what, let me look at my master list real quick. Most recently, I had them at number six. Uh, I mean, missing, even if the, the, the entire team was like playing, they would be hard to judge just because they don't have Strickland anymore. They don't have Courtney Williams anymore. Um, but now when you add not having John Quill Jones to the mix and trying to throw Dewana Bonner in with a relatively new group, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think that they're their championship caliber team. Um, they're definitely not bad. Like it's not gonna be crazy to me if Connecticut like has a game where they go out and beat the storm and then they go out and lose to the wings. Like I think they're going to be a team that's figuring themselves out and probably just gearing more towards winning it all next year when they have John Quell. Yeah, and I'll expand on that just real quickly and say it's people don't appreciate the fact that 
how long it took Connecticut. I mean, I was on the Connecticut hype train maybe like four years ago because I saw one game and I was just like, holy crap, this team has the ability to run the gambit and win a championship. But Kurt Miller really had a system where he said, you know what, this year we're going to make these steps. Next year we're going to make these steps. And four years down the road, we're going to be in the finals. And they got to the finals and they fell short. And for me, I think it's almost hitting a reset button because of all the transition, because of the whole, you know, roundabout merry-go-round with this roster. While I do have elements of this roster that I like better than the team we saw last year, it's going to take a lot of time to get that, that, that flow, that rhythm that we've known the Connecticut Sun to be. And so I get it. I also, I, I guess I'm in the boat there with you, Matt, where it's like, I could see this team probably doing a lot better than people are projecting it, but I could also realistically expect this team to not do that good because, well, they're a brand new team and you got what two players or three players uh, from a starting roster or starting six players that are still on this roster. Ben, talk to me about this team. Cause I know you got feelings. Well, I, like I just, I, I said before we started, like I laughed when they landed where they did in, in Pelton's projection, just because uh you know, it seems like they're they're gonna want to do this. You know, faux no one believes in us thing all over again, and it's just like it. <laughs> like people, I don't think people really disagree with how good John Quill Jones is, especially now, and she isn't there. Like, and it just and she's such an ideal fit with Alyssa Thomas that like the ripple effects of not having her are just really gonna hurt them. Like possession by possession, it just won't be. They won't be able to get the same look. Like. They're going to rely so much on Teresa Plaisance, who they they swung a big trade for. Like, hey, this is the bench piece we need. She wasn't healthy. And, hey, we get to Florida, and she still has these same back issues. So, like, you know, like, best case, do you have, like, 15 minutes of a stretch five? So, like, you know, I think they can go small and, like, have really good moments if they do that. And, and you know, Thomas, Thomas and Bonner, like that still gets you to a certain point, but yeah, like I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're, they're okay, but you know, we don't need to do this. Uh, you know, people are sleeping on them thing again or disrespected or whatever. It's just admit that JJ isn't there and that, and that we all kind of agree on how good she is. Well, talk to me about this then. If JJ was there, would, would that catapult them to a top five, a top four team in your mind, based off your Storm Sparks, Mercury, and Sky run. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have with JJ, I'd probably have them uh, either before, before or after Phoenix. You know, just maybe even before, just being uncertain over what what on earth kind of player Diana Trossi actually is going to be at this stage in her career. But yeah, I mean, with JJ, it, it all it all clicks into place. And and you have this top five player who like still had kind of some room to grow to become more of a scorer, namely with her shooting, which which really makes that front court fit so well together with with AT and now Bonner. Uh, Matt, do you think we're not talking about Brian January enough? I don't know. <laughs> I think Brian January is a fine player. I don't I don't think that she's going to be a a game changer. Like she was a nice fill in when you lose Courtney Williams, but. Losing Courtney Williams sucked. <laughs> it sucked. Uh, ben, what do you think about that? Is she not get? Because I remember when they first brought her in and looking at this roster with the addition. Obviously, I think 
you know, losing Strickland's also a big blow. But when you look at this roster with JJ there and January, I really like their defensive ability. And January is not a slump at three ball. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you're right. Like they're going to be able to defend. And like, I don't think like them being able to go small is really keyed by having her uh, and just, and yeah, just having the fact that she's such a good two-way player that she is, she has really, she I mean, she kind of mastered like this three and D role after she's a point guard with the ball in her hands for so much of her career. Uh, it's really helped her. I, I think, you know, still have a lot of value, even if she, she's in a different role, uh, you know, big picture, like getting her, like it was the best they could probably do. I don't, I mean, they weren't just going to get someone sitting around in free agency at that point. That's better than her really on the same level. It is a, it is a contract of another mid thirties player that, that goes into next year. So like, you know, there's more to it than even just this season, but no, I mean, she's a good player. Also, can we just like, can we find out that she's there first too? You know, that's like another thing with like projecting Connecticut is like they're, she's not their leading scorer, but it's a pretty important player that it seems like they're not going to have right away. Yeah. I'm just excited to get actual rosters. They said we're going to get those, right? (laughs) Well, I will say, so I know as everyone who listens to this or anyone who knows me knows, I don't follow the NBA at all, but I will say it was hilarious for me because there's a lot of people on my Twitter timeline who cover both NBA and WNBA. And It was really funny for me to see when the NBA team started to travel down to Orlando to see the people covering the NBA have the same issues that the W has been having for the last, let's say, month, where it's like you don't even know who's there. And so you're scouring through all the social media videos and all the social media images like uh, that's the back of the head of who or uh, what is this player here? Is that player here? I think like Marcus Morris, if that's even a player, somebody figured out through social media that he might not have been there. There's something about him. I don't really know. But yeah, it, can we get a final roster before, you know, tip off tomorrow? What? what all right, give me an over under. Are we going to get a final roster before tip off? Matt. I think I think we are, right? Like they they have to tell us who's going to be in that specific game. Like I know that there's been a lot of issues because, you know, I don't think the team can just say that a player tested positive. That's like private information that's just like created this like weird atmosphere where like media will ask like is this person there and like the team can't say anything the player has to say something and like i don't know it's been a weird like the whole experience has been weird and it just like it's very frustrating as somebody trying to cover the league like i can't properly analyze what's going on without knowing if like players are playing so uh and the league took forever even to give the medical exemption um, results to find out that like Tina Charles and Elena Deladon and Liz Cambage and like three of your huge like biggest names like weren't going to play um, I don't know Pre- covering the preseason or covering before the season starts has been really strange and I'm really excited for stuff to start rolling so we can actually have like facts and know who was there there might be even like a medical exemption that happens on the opening day of the season which is they're all done with them right we don't know who's applied for it. I'm pretty so, sure that, that they were all done with those. I mean, it's possible, but I mean, I would not be, it's the W. I would not be shocked, you know, it, like what happened with Asia Durr, where uh, Michelle Vopel wrote about it, how 
she opted out, quote unquote. And then a week later, a few days later, the league was like, actually, we finally got around to you and you're exempt. So I got some issues with that. Um, let's talk about a few storylines coming into this can I, season. Can we, yeah. can, we not, uh, can we stay on the rosters before we move on? Like, Yeah, go it, for it, man. I think this is kind of one of the moments where it's important to not carry frustrations with other stuff into how this was handled. Like, I don't know what people really want. Would people just be happy if they released lists of rosters? Because the NBA, they're they're going through the same stuff. They're trying to figure out, hey, all right, looks like this guy's in, like, okay, this guy's confirmed there. We saw him on the video. Like, there's only so much these teams can do. So I just, I don't, I guess I kind of want to know what some of these people want. Like, you can fit piece together enough of it on social media, right? Atlanta's the big question mark, right? We haven't spotted yeah. Courtney Williams, Kalani Brown, Glory Johnson. And and yeah, maybe they're, you know, they're not comfortable really addressing that and they might not be in the right to do that, but like, okay, we figured it out. Like I don't <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know if it's something to really bear a crossover. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear that. I guess in a perfect world, and again, this is me not knowing all of the things holding it back. In a perfect world, you'd say these are the players who are here at least because we know that there have been some players who, and I know that everyone's going to jump on me and say, well, then everyone's going to assume they tested positive or, and they can't comment on that and blah, blah, blah. And I get the kind of tug of war on this. I will say though, if I'm correct, I did see Kalani Brown and Lori Johnson were in the wobble in a villa together. That was my understanding. I saw them like playing some games, but then they kind of ghosted everybody on social media so maybe they were just hanging out somewhere in Atlanta and haven't tripped yet. I don't know what it is, but I, I hear it. I, I guess I'm just wishing in a perfect world and so used to complaining because it's COVID season. Um, yeah, and they and I should be clear, like yeah, like like you said, I, that those players haven't been spotted in the practice footage. I want to make sure yeah. I clarify. And, and and you know, for for the people that have been kind of bothered by this and are and you know, I, I understand wanting more transparency. It's also like this is something to also take to the league level in terms of, of, yeah, like disclosing tests and like testing data, you know, just in terms of totals and stuff like that. Like that's something to go to the league level, which I think there's sometimes doesn't just get pointed out. Like the teams don't, you know, one team doesn't get to decide what the whole league does. Like they, like some teams are kind of in limbo. Some of this stuff, just like us. Yeah. Yeah. I think my thing though is, also, just that, like, the WNBA didn't let media onto its campus, which sucks on a lot of different levels. And I think that's the only thing that concerns me is, like, the NBA has a dozen or so media there to, like, see what's going on and report. Hey, we got Holly. And, yeah, I think Holly's the only reporter who's in the bubble. So um, that is a big concern for me. And that is why I think we're going to have to all like continue to have to put pressure on the league because no one's there watching what's happening. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of unknown and it's the W so, you know, there's going to be secrecy. So, all right. Major storylines. Um, I'm curious your thoughts. We'll start with Ben. We'll move to Matt. Will the MVP at the end of this season be someone who has never won it before? And major names that stick out is basically Brittany Griner. I mean, um, or are we going to see like something crazy? Um, what are your thoughts, Ben? 
Uh, if it's like a, if we're trying to do like nail down like a yes or no, I think I might say yes that that's more likely than a than a repeat. I think you have you have BG. I think you have Diamond to Shields who can get in there. I think you have Natasha Howard who can yep. get there. Uh, Chelsea Gray. I think it's possible because as I kind of alluded to earlier with Candice, like if people begin seeing Candace kind of in a different light at this stage of her career, I think that might get easier for people to uh, kind of give Chelsea, like kind of put Chelsea uh, into that category. And Asia Wilson is one that's always been brought up a lot. You know, she's going to get the ball and she's going to score a ton. Although she's the, the latest is that she's Lambeer's cautiously optimistic. She's even going to play at the beginning with a, with an ankle sprain. So like, again, it's just, uh, who knows when she actually starts, and, and that team is pretty depleted. Moving on to you, Matt. Yeah, I think Ben nailed all the ones that I was thinking of. I think uh, maybe the, the craziest outcome is, like Ben said, with Diamond uh, breaking out and becoming an MVP candidate. Like, I'd love to see that. I think Asia, just by having the ball, like her uh, counting stats are going to go through the roof as long as she's healthy, and you know she could be in contention. Griner could do the same, playing with, Skylar Diggins and Tarasi might be uh, amazing for, for BG coming off a season where she was MVP caliber. If, you know, if Elena didn't exist, she might've won it. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, the real repeat candidate we're all thinking of, I guess would probably be Stewie, but we're all really just uncertain about her health. So definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, I think if it's going to be, and if, if there's a, if there is a time to kind of, let a a newcomer into the ring of honor as i like to call it the mvp uh mvp people i don't know what else to call it the ring of honor um i think it's going to be this year you know you have a good amount of superstars not in the league and we're just going to have opportunities i would love to see diamond shields uh win it because i just think that would be exciting and i would love to see chelsea gray win it because we don't see enough point guards win it i mean the mvp race in this league for a very long time has been pretty much Diana Taurasi or a big. So I would love to see a non-big win it. I think that would be exciting. Um, let's talk about the rookie class just a little bit. Obviously, Sabrina's getting a ton of attention. Um, but my question is more so, you know, with the build of this roster, I think it's going to be hard in some degree to truly judge how good she's playing. Because part of me is thinking to myself, it's going to be easy I mean, all right, I don't want to say easy because she's an amazing player, but it's going to be easier for teams to kind of zone in on her um, and try and focus most of their defensive prowess onto her. And then you got Satu and Kennedy Carter. Um, when we're talking about the rookie of the year race, I think it's easy to say that notoriety is going to carry Sabrina, whether she has a amazing season or a good season. How hard is it going to be for Satu or Carter to win the Rookie of the Year award, Matt? I love Sabrina. I think Sabrina's going to have a, a really challenging first year, right? You kind of mentioned before, they're a team of rookies. Uh, Sabrina is going to get all the attention from defenses because she's probably the best player from the jump, with the exception of maybe Kia Nurse. But obviously, you defend the two of them completely differently. Uh, it's not going to come easy for Sabrina. Satu, it won't come easier, easy for either, but I think bigs always have an easier time um, from the beginning, transitioning from the college to the pro level. And Satu is just, 
she's just incredible. I mean, she probably would have been a number one pick in a handful of previous drafts. So uh, I think Satu's going to win it. Ooh, I like that take. Uh, ben, please tell me you're gonna you're gonna just ride Kennedy Carter to the Roy. I honestly, before we started this, I hadn't really made a pick in my head. Like I haven't written predictions for awards and stuff. Um, man, if I had to say, if I had to pick one right now, and don't make me tough. quote Sue Bird. Don't make me quote Sue Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to I'm gonna make you got to do it. Get the explicit tag on this episode. Uh, I might go. Kennedy and I might say Lauren Cox second Ooh. two as okay. who as we're recording this on Tuesday Marianne Stanley or Thursday uh, said she's expected to arrive shortly so that would seem to indicate that she'll play at least a pretty <laughs> play most of these games because um, because with Cox you know I could see where like their defense really improves because you know they're the 11th defense last year and they got. They obviously have the capability to be a playoff team. I think that'll be there. I, w- I would take Kennedy though. I think it will be interesting to see how, what you know when people draw the line where they say, "Oh, well, she just isn't efficient." You know, that was kind of the big pet peeve for me last year with Arike, where it just made me want to say, "Like, watch the game, nerds!" Like, it's just like <laughs> she's doing stuff that like other players can't do, and to some level, like you have to be able to recognize that versus, oh, well, you know, she shot whatever percentage. The team isn't very good. Like, like it's there's only so much one player is going to do when they're in that, in that situation. Well, I think it's also interesting because when you're talking about the MVP race, I think historically and some would argue rightfully, uh, partially, I don't necessarily think so, but uh, that's I'm just a devil's advocate. But the MVP race always goes to the really good player on that really good team. Like let's let's forget about Deldon last year, but like for the most part, it's a player who's on a top team in the league who's also having a top season. Now, obviously, those things typically go hand in hand. Where if you're a really good team, you have to have a really good player. But with the rookie of the year, it's a lot more interesting because it's not necessarily and probably not at all tied to how good the team does. Um, granted, I'm gonna side with Matt on this one and say. Because it's going to be a Arike fee debacle where it's going to be Satu versus Carter when it comes down to the Roy. That is, of course, unless Sabrina just, you know, blows everything out of the water. But so I think it's really going to come down to the fact that the offense is going to be completely run by Carter. Um, Is she going to be like Arike or is she going to be a little bit more statistically favorable is going to be the deciding factor of who wins the rookie of the year. But I'm going Satu. I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, let's move over to sleeper teams, or in my mind, AKA teams that just haven't been talked about enough. And yes, I'm biased, but we can't go a whole episode without talking about the Minnesota Lynx. Um, well, that's a joke. We can. But <laughs> Ben, Ben, I, I was texting you yesterday because I was on uh, a Lynx podcast. Everyone should go check it out. Los Links podcast. It's a great podcast. Um, but I was on their podcast, and when I was prepping for it, I was looking back at stats from last year, and I was mind-blown to the fact where I had to text Ben and say, Ben, am I reading this right, that they had the second-best defensive rating in the season last year? So are the links being overlooked? And Because I know Ben's going to agree with me on this. Let's go to Matt and see if he differs. Um, I mean, yeah, we know we know Minnesota's good defensively. We know Fee and 
and Sill are, you know, debatably the best post one, two, maybe besides Howard and Stewart. Um, but like who, who's running the point there? I think that's like, that's the biggest question. Who's going to facilitate, um, fee can't do everything for herself and still needs some setup and uh without odyssey like their defense is going to drop a little bit and and figuring out who is the person who makes the offense run is is going to take some time so um i think minnesota is going to make the playoffs i don't know if they're a sleeper team though well so it's interesting for me because my issue offensively with having odyssey on this links offense is so much of her game is getting to the basket which doesn't clear the lane and doesn't kind of spread things out to get the ball to Sill. So I do think while Odyssey, in from my perspective, I don't give her enough credit for how good she was offensively or defensively, I do think having more three-point threats is going to spread the court a little bit um, because, let's be real, they have people who are going to make open threes. So I think it's going to be interesting, though, how that reflects onto the defensive side because they've brought in a lot of firepower offensively, but how is that going to translate to keeping up that top-tier defense? Ben, what are your thoughts on this team? Well, one, I'm surprised Neil even had you on the show because Simone isn't on the team anymore. So I figured you maybe thought you wouldn't be as excited to talk about him. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was some Simone talk. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, Minnesota for me was the hardest one to kind of exclude from that top group for me. So I, you know, I had them fifth, and they were kind of the one I was not really sure you know, one the thing with with Odyssey, Odyssey hasn't hasn't been ruled out for the entire season. You know, which is an important thing to draw. Um, so we'll we'll see what actually happens there. I mean, yeah, they, my 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 big concern, more big picture, is kind of the same as without Odyssey, clocks winding down, and especially in the fourth quarter, like you just need someone to go get you stuff. And I don't know if they're gonna have the same level there. Well, I don't think, I don't think they'll have the same level of player to be able to do that for them. But I, I think maybe a thing that's a little overlooked is there's going to be a lot better playing with still like last year, they missed her all the time. Like when she was open, they just wouldn't throw it. They didn't know mm-hmm. she was open. Uh, you know, a lot of those players were new teammates kind of getting used to her. Uh, you know, the whole atrocity that was just not calling fouls in the first half of the season, you know, to look at it, look back on, basketball reference of Sylvia Fowles averaging like it was like 2.9 free throws per game like that's just a joke um so they're gonna be a lot better playing through her you know so if they can get her to get more shots up uh you know she's at like 10 last year I think if they can get her up to like 15 that will help them a ton you know that Demiris Dantas was I mean she had an amazing season I mean they really stole her from Atlanta that was a really interesting storyline i think lexi brown's gonna be really good now she's playing you know that your, your thing with odyssey like yeah you know what what made it pretty tough on them is you can call odyssey the shooting guard last year if you want like so but daniel you know odyssey had the ball all, all the time daniel robinson was their shooting guard and you know by the middle of the season she they, she just gave up on even trying to shoot three pointers and she's like spotting up like 15 feet away when still's trying to post up so like their team will look totally different this year I think it's going to be a positive. Um, all right. This is where it gets tough. This is where the big guns come out. We're going to make predictions for opening weekend. And because we like to start with the easy stuff, we're going to start with the first game. New York versus Seattle. I'm going Seattle. Matt, what you got? Seattle. 
damn, I was really hoping for a wild card there. <laughs> ben, what you got? Seattle by a lot. Yeah, all right. Sue Bird, Bird's going off for 40. She's going to ISO Sabrina all game. She's breaking her ankles. No, but yeah, In, I think, I think hey, Seattle's going to roll. That's what Sabrina deserves after her brother decided to go for the jugular on Sue. <laughs> that that was such a that was such a hilarious like to think that that was an own is just like so hilarious. Like the the Oregon fan base is just like so rabid that they completely forgot that that was a game that no one on that team cared about winning. It was better for Team USA if they lost, and then they actually drum, drummed up some excitement. But that's that's yeah. I, I've been loving Sue's responses. Like what was it? Rebecca Lobo tweeted out that Sabrina was seven or four when uh, Sue started in the league. And Sue retweeted it and was like, how old was she when uh, you were playing there, Rebecca? Huh? Huh? <laughs> um, loved it. All right, let's move on to L.A. and Phoenix. I'm going L.A. What are you about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to go with L.A. also. Um, at least those core three have played together. Yeah, that's my thoughting too. Ben, what about you? I'll take Phoenix in a close one. Yeah, I would think everyone's feeling good physically, and maybe that first group together, they just come out and shoot the lights out because they're so excited to just finally get to play together. All right, I like it. Finally, some uh, some disagreements on this. What about Indy at DC? I'm going with Indiana. They're young. They're fiery. And DC is going to take some time to kind of figure out what the roles of everyone is going to be. What about you, Matt? Uh, I'm going to go with the Mystics. I think the best player in that matchup is still Misamin. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, DC's going to have some figuring out to do. But listen, if, if somebody needs to take some shots, Ariel Powers is going to take them. Um, and I'm going to love watching that team. I'm, I'm just going to pull a Ben here and say that Tierra McCowan drops 40 on the uh, undersized Mystics. Ben, what's your thought? Well, if you like, if you want to get to the nitty gritty, like I think it's an interesting matchup for McCowan because it, you know, if they throw out Tiana Hawkins and Misaman, like how how she does is like is going to be really interesting. Even it is, it is game one, of course, but I'll I'll take Washington. Like, come on, they're they're going to be jazzed up. It's the first game, like they'll they'll be ready to go. And and if if no if there's no Cox and no Erica Wheeler, which it looks like at this point, like that's two of their better five, six, seven players, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But hey, don't forget Victoria Vivians. Uh, moving on to Sunday's matchup, Connecticut at Minnesota. Um, I'm going to go Connecticut I just because I don't want to be a homer. Um, but honestly, like this was a tough one for me to decide because both teams, there's so much unknown. But now that I talk about it, the thing that is known is that Sill and Fee are really good, but then Dewana Bonner is really good. I, I'll, I'll go Connecticut, even though I, I'm biting my tongue while I say it. Go, Matt. Uh, I'm going to go Minnesota familiarity. Uh, Sill dominates. I love it. Ben? Yeah, I'll go Minnesota. They, like, they've, they, like, they've actually had a full roster, like, this whole time, right? Like, that's, that's got to – and plus, I've, I kind of I kind of believe in that kind of helping them out early on so i'll go with them oh you know what the full roster thing has won me over and i won't feel like a homer by changing my vote so i'm going minnesota um <laughs> winning the first game that ever uh in the post simone augustus era moving on to chicago at las vegas in my opinion it's pretty easy las vegas is shorthanded and chicago finally gets their revenge it wins by like 25 i'm gonna say 
Yeah, I'm picking Chicago too. Yeah, Chicago. I mean, it's going to be pretty rough if, if Asia Wilson doesn't even play. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd go Chicago either way. I'm imagining a uh, Ali Quigley, Ali Oop, you know, the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James photo where Dwayne's winged out. I'm imagining just like some WNBA street style play from the Chicago sky. Uh, they're excited. They're jazzed. They got a whole hell of a lot of en- uh, energy going. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun one. Dallas and Atlanta is an intriguing one here. Both like completely new rosters. Um, I, I'm torn. Uh, it's going to be the battle of the shooters between Arike and Kennedy. I don't know what to expect from Kennedy in the W yet. I know everyone's talked very highly of her. Everyone's talked about in these scrimmages how Atlanta and Dallas uh, have been playing with better pace, and Atlanta specifically has played with a lot of pace. I'm going to go with Atlanta in this one, even though I, I'm I'm oddly high up on Dallas. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I'm going to go Dallas just because, like, who who is playing for Atlanta? We we don't know. That, that's a valid point, Ben. Yeah, Dallas. Like, I think they're going to score really well this year. I think that, you know, the kind of the additions they made, I think it's going to look a lot look a lot better than last year when they were really, like, slowing it down and just, like, grinding everything down to Enrique. And it, it's probably... Listen, Kennedy's, gonna... Kennedy's not going to have a ton of help right away, I don't think, with what with what we've seen that, them having on the practice floor. I'm going to miss Enrique Hero Ball. I'm not going to lie. Like, what a beautiful <laughs> mess that was. Well, Kennedy, I think Kennedy's season is going to look pretty similar, right? Like, I think that's yeah, going to... Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Kennedy's personality is going to be a little bit more fun with it, I will say. Uh, a yes-no question that I just thought of before we log off for the day. Sorry to keep you guys. But there was some notice or some a quote that came out uh, from our John W. Davis uh, about how Derek Fisher was specifically not having his team do any practices or any scrimmages against other teams because he felt that he could do scrimmages against his own team because they had a full roster. I just want to yes, no. Is that going to bite him in the butt? Matt? No, I don't think so. I mean, it gives everybody more time to to play. Ben, what do you think? Possibly. I mean, I think there's a little bit to a couple of the coaches I've caught up on what they've said when they kind of speak into the idea of, you know, when you play another team, like they're just going to play harder, right? Then when you're playing each other, like you kind of, can get sick of that and you're not it just isn't quite the same i mean didn't like didn't he also say like they might use two different starting fives so i guess i'm looking forward to their game against this guy where they start uh simone sykes weiss anigua and gulich i guess it's, it's gonna be an interesting season for many of the teams there's lots of storylines i'm excited i know matt and ben are excited as we always say if you like our show please consider joining our patreon community Less than a cup of coffee goes a long way to help show support and the hard work that we do covering the W. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, stay hydrated. It's hot. And uh, the WNBA season is going to be gone in a blink of an eye.